Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I want you to turn there, if you will, please. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to continue our sermon series on what does the Bible say about, and I've let you decide what I'm going to be speaking on, okay? Uh, So I did the very first one. I preached on heaven. What does the Bible say about heaven? And then I turned turned you guys loose. Well, today I'm going to be speaking on a subject that you guys had responded back to me. Specifically, you wanted to know what does the Bible say about the judgment seat of Christ? And you specifically asked me what does the Bible say about the five crowns that can be earned by us here and what's going to happen with those crowns whenever we get them, okay? That's some of the questions that you guys had responded back. I've got many more. I'm going to be going through the entire month of July and even into August with this. September, I'm starting a brand new sermon series. I'll let you know what that is later. Uh, But we're going to use uh, July and August to finish up and work through what the Bible has to say about, and you pick the topic. There's some interesting topics that are going to be... Um, unpacked here in the near future in the next several weeks. Next Sunday, by the way, is Family Sunday. Uh, so Debbie and I will be up here speaking on that, and then we'll be right back into what does the Bible say about, and you pick the topic. So there's some interesting topics. Some some of you guys have just had questions about different movies you've seen uh, related to the Bible and want to know if that particular scene was in the Bible. And a lot of those are not. They're just kind of what may have happened. Um, the basis for the movie is, is pretty much biblical, but sometimes there's some characterization and stuff that comes in. So I've tried to answer those one-on-one and not really spend uh, an entire Sunday uh, on those types of questions. Uh, but feel free to reach out to me. Everyone should have received your sermon notes. If you did not receive these, hold your hand up. Uh, we've got several right here in the front that do not have them. So if you'll get these passed out quickly. And on the top of the sermon note is all of my contact information. So different ways you can reach out to me, uh, communicate, and let us know what your topics may be. And we will handle that. So if there's anything you want to know about what does the Bible have to say about this particular topic. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a biblical topics such as the judgment seat of Christ. It can be about anything. And there have been some of those that I'm going to be dealing with here. Uh, For instance, some have written in, what does the Bible have to say about gun control? What does the Bible have to say about um, um, carrying a weapon? Uh, I'm going to be addressing that in the near future. Uh, I think that's something that we need to look in scripture and see what it says. Some of them, some of you guys even responded and said, what does the Bible say about war? What's up with us going to war? What does Scripture say about us going to war? And I'm going to be unpacking that a little bit. So whatever the topics are you have, I want you to shoot them to me. And I promise you, I'm just going to dig in Scripture and tell you what the Bible has to say about that particular topic. Not necessarily what I think about it. It's not going to have a political bias one way or the other. It's just going to be what does the Bible say about that? 
Okay, so that's our summer series, and so I want to encourage you to keep sending me some information because it's kind of fun to hear what you're thinking about and then go into Scripture and put something together to try to answer your questions that way. So hope you're enjoying it. We're going to jump right into the judgment seat of Christ and what does Scripture have to say about this, okay? So in your sermon notes, I gave you 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. That is really the primary passage that deals specifically about the judgment seat of Christ. You'll also notice I put a couple of references right under that little paragraph there in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 and Romans chapter 14. And you'll find a few other references through scripture that just reference the the Bema seat or the judgment seat, um, but doesn't really unpack it. You'll find a few more of those scattered throughout Scripture as well. But these are the three primary passages of Scripture that deal with this specific subject concerning the judgment seat of Christ. Now, as we unpack these verses, it's going to lead us into the reward. Okay, and the reward are the crowns that we can earn. And I want to try to unpack that for you so uh, so we can get to work. Right. I don't want you to get to heaven. So nobody told me I could even get those. Right. So I want you to know you can earn those. Now, understand, here's the first thing. This is kind of the bedrock foundation that I want you to get for the judgment seat of Christ. Here it is. Only believers will be at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, no unbelievers will be at this judgment. That is the great white throne judgment. This judgment is only for believers. It's the judgment seat of Christ. One more thing I want you to get. What's the first thing? It's only for who? Believers. For those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Everything I say today pertaining to the judgment seat of Christ is to the believer. It's not to the unbeliever. It's not to the unchurch. It's not to those that do not know Christ or have never accepted Christ as their Savior. Okay? This is not for them. That's another judgment for them. This is only for who? The believer. I want you to understand that as we work our way through it. The second thing I want you to get that I think is bedrock foundation, you understand this. The believer is there not, everybody say not, you're not being judged on whether you're saved or lost at this judgment. Okay? Your salvation is not in judgment here. Get it? Got it? Good. Okay? Your salvation is not in judgment here. Now, you're going to see the reference talks about losing some things. And there are some things that you would lose in this, in this judgment. But understand, it is not, you answer it for me, it is not what? Your salvation, right? Your salvation is not in judgment. So it's imperative that you understand these two things. The judgment seat of Christ is only for who? Believers. And what is not in judgment? Your salvation. It's under, it's important. People get confused here. They get confused right here because they think, oh, oh, I better go to work because I can lose my salvation. No, 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 no. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot live a good enough life to get to heaven. I cannot preach enough sermons to get to heaven. You know what that's called? That's called religion. What's the difference between religion and relationship? And by the way, I've always preached my entire life, ever since I got into ministry for the past 28 years, I've always preached that life is about relationships, not religion. It it really unpacks 
the vision for our church, the mission for our church is what? Love God and love each other's and pass our faith to the next generation, right? That's the threefold mission of our church. It all has to do with a relationship. Your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and passing our faith to the next generation. And, and there's chapter and verse for all of that. So I want you to understand, life is about a relationship. It's not about religion. What's the difference between the two? You know what religion is? Religion is man trying to work his way to God. Relationship is God coming to man to have a relationship with him, right? Through his son, Jesus Christ. Religion looks like this. It's all about what you wear. It's all about what you do. It's all about doing all these works. It's about being baptized. Is baptism a bad thing? No, we should be baptized, right? Yes, it's the first step of obedience after we accept Christ as our Savior. But is it a prereq for being saved? The answer is no. Are you with me? Baptism, if we're putting our salvation in baptism, we've turned that into works instead of an act of obedience. Are you with me? You tracking with me here? I want you to see the difference. It's important. Religion is man trying to work his way to God. So therefore, we're going to be tied into the church. We're going to be bound by the church. And some man's going to get up there and tell us all these things that we've got to do in order for us to get to heaven. That is religion. There'll be a lot of people miss heaven because they're caught up in religion and they completely miss the relationship. You say, was that really what you believe? No, it doesn't matter what I believe. It's what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about that statement I just said? Matthew 7, right? When they look unto the Lord and the Lord, and they say, Lord, Lord, and he, he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And they're going to say, but Lord, we did all these wonderful things in your name. We preached, we taught, we worked, we fed the sick. We did all these wonderful things, or fed the hungry and took care of the sick. We did all these wonderful things. He said, depart from me, I never, what? Knew you. Which means I never had, what? A relationship with you. So in order to get to heaven, we've got to have a relationship with Christ, right? It's not based on my works. It's based on my relationship with Christ. Now, as a result of having a relationship with Christ, that's going to put us at the judgment seat of Christ where our works are going to be judged, not our salvation, right? Our salvation is not in judgment. Only believers here, our salvation is not in judgment, that was taken care of. Give me a guess where you think that was taken care of. That was taken care of at the, at the cross, right? The moment we accept Christ as our Savior, we look to Him, the finished work of Calvary. We believe that we have sinned. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. We believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. The uh, scripture says the iniquity of the world was placed on Jesus. Everyone in the world is potentially saved if they will trust in Christ as their Savior. Once they do that, boom. We'll end up at the judgment seat of Christ. So what is it then that we're being judged? What we're being judged upon is how we have lived our life after we accept Christ as our Savior and moving forward and living out life. It's our works. And so that's what I want to unpack for. I just want you to get good clarification because I don't want you to leave you here in fretting or worrying or in fear of whether you're going to go to heaven or not. Everybody that trusts in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will be in heaven. You got it? Okay? So, matter of fact, matter of fact, it does not even matter what church you're a member of as long as you have a relationship. Whenever we get into, you got to be part of this church and part of this church and part of that church. Now we're back into what? Religion, right? We got to stay out of that. 
Are you with me? We got to stay in relationship mode. And now relationship mode, I know as a child, if I'm going to get rewards from my parents, I better have good behavior, right? So I better act the way I'm supposed to act, right? You parents of small kids, you know when your kids are doing it, man, they're just knocking it out of the park. They're doing everything that you want them to do. You've taught them this. They're living it out. They're doing it. They're pra- putting it into practice. It makes you want to take them to Walmart and go down the toy aisle, doesn't it? Right? It makes you want to do that. That's the same way with God. Whenever we're just living out his will in our life and we're reading scripture and we're obeying it because we love him and want to please him, it, it kind of makes him want to bless us. And there are some things that come as a result of that. So I've said a lot already. My goodness, I've got about 15 minutes to get through this. I could really preach probably two or three hours on this particular subject. But I promise you, I will not keep you that long, okay? So give me about 20 minutes here. Let me see if I can kind of get through this real quickly. My main goal, once again, is to get the blanks filled in for you, and I'll park along the way, but I will leave you with uh, some of the blanks, okay? So the first thing I want you to get here, the judgment seat of cross will be a day of some, some intimate, what? Discoveries. There's going to be some things that's going to take place here at the judgment seat of cross. Matter of fact, before I really get into that... I want to read the scripture. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 through 15. Because this passage really drills down on the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse number 10. I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Whatever translation you have is fine. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 It says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. What is Paul talking about here? What foundation do you think Paul is talking about here? And he's going to actually unpack that for us. But what is the what is the craft that Paul is into? He's a church planner, right? And what he is doing, he's sharing the gospel all across the region, and he's planting churches there. He's bringing people to Christ, and they're having a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. Get this. But each one must be careful. Key word is how. Everybody say how. We must be careful how... We build on it. So we get to go into the building business with the Apostle Paul, right? We get to kind of do what he's doing in living out our Christian life. But in living out our Christian life, we must be careful how we are building and working in this Christian life. Verse 11, for no one can lay any other foundation than that what has been laid down. Now, what's he saying here? In other words, he's saying, I've already laid down the foundation. And I want you to look. He says, that foundation is who? Jesus Christ. Okay? So Paul is saying, I've already laid the foundation. So I want you to come help me build, but don't worry about the foundation. The foundation has already been laid. There's no other foundation you can lay other than the person of Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar? Whenever I hear that, I think about what Jesus said in John, four, in John 14 when he said, I am, John 14, 6, by the way, and he says, I am what? The way, the truth, 
the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. That's a pretty, you know the word the? The word the is a divine imperative. In other words, the Lord said, I am the only way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes by religion. You only come through me. Does that make sense? That's the foundation that the Apostle Paul has laid. He said, I want you to come be a part of this work, but don't worry about the foundation, boys. I've already got that laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to build on that foundation. Notice, we're not building on John Cannon. Get it? Good, okay? We're not building on any preacher. And there's some mega pastors out there that a lot of people lift up on a pedestal and kind of worship them. You're in trouble. You're in religion mode, and you're going to be in trouble when you start worshiping a man. You understand? I'm just a sinner. I, I, really, the only difference between me and you is God called me up here to tell you about it. That's the only difference, right? I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. I mean, I'm just, I would preach in shorts if my wife would let me, but my wife won't let me do that. Okay? I'm just kidding right there. But I want you to know, there's really no difference between that. God just called me into the ministry to share the message. I'm just the messenger boy. That's it. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. So you can't worship a man. You can't worship a church or put your faith in any other thing other than the foundation that has already been laid. And that foundation is what? Jesus Christ. Okay? You guys are doing fantastic. So we've already learned a couple of things today. At the judgment seat of Christ, we know the only people that are going to be there are who? Believers. The second thing we know about the judgment seat of Christ is that the one thing that is not in judgment is our salvation, right? That was taken care of where? At the cross. The third thing we already know about this is that the foundation of what we're to be working on and building upon has already been laid. We don't have to worry about looking and digging out another foundation that has already been laid. And the foundation is who? Jesus Christ, okay? Not Victory Church, not some pastor, not some preacher, not some priest, not some church, not some denomination, not some other organization. The foundation is Jesus Christ. So it's all about a relationship with Christ and not a religious activity. Okay? So, man, that's a lot already. I'm still working my way through this verse. Okay? Look at verse 12. If anyone builds on that foundation, what foundation? The foundation of Christ. If we build on that foundation with gold and silver... And precious or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, or stubble, each one's work will become obvious. So as we are building and working at the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be some amazing discoveries there because our works are going to be obvious. In other words, they're going to be revealed. For each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it. In verse number 13, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by, what's the next word? Fire. Hold on a minute. I was kind of raised that the only fire was in hell, right? Hello? Are you out there? 
Do you realize there's going to be a little bit of fire in heaven? And what's going to go through that fire? Your works, my works, are going to be purged by the judgment fire at the judgment seat of Christ. Not me personally, not my salvation. That's already taken care of. My works are going to be obvious. They're going to be made known. And they're going to be tried and revealed by fire. Now get this. Then he says something about that fire. The fire will test the, what's the next word? Quality. Wow. The fire is going to test the quality of each man's work. And if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a, what is it? A reward. I'm going to unpack the reward here before you go. If anyone's work, I'm sorry, back at verse 14. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. Verse 15. And if anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. What's going to be lost? Your reward that you're getting as a result of your works. Are you with me? Your salvation, I've heard some take this passage completely out of context and say, boy, at the great white, or at the, at the judgment seat of Christ, your salvation will be lost if you're not doing this. No, 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 no. Back it up. That's not what we're talking about. What's going to be lost? Your reward that is going to be revealed by the fire. And if it's gold, metal, and precious stones, gold, silver, and precious stones, it will be purged through the fire and come out more brilliant, right? And there will be amazing rewards you'll get from those works. However, once the quality of your works have been revealed and purged by fire, and if it's wood, hay, and stubble, we know that fire consumes wood, hay, and stubble or straw, right? So what's going to be lost when it goes to that judgment fire? Your reward, your works. Why? Probably because the motive of those works was not pure. The motive of those works, because we're trying the quality of those works, are going to be revealed. Are you guys getting this? I know this is digging down a little bit, but I want, I'm trying to make it as simple and paint as beautiful of a picture as I can paint uh, for this and make it crystal clear. Are you there? Get it? Everybody smile at me. Just let me know you're awake, okay, and you're still there, okay? So if anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. I want you to poke your neighbor on the shoulder and tell them right now, if you know Jesus, it's okay. Go ahead and do that. It's okay. Right? Your salvation will not be lost. But it's possible that your rewards could be lost. But I want you to finish the verse here. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. Now, this is, this is nailing down just what I've been telling you. But what? He will be saved. Yet, it will be like an escape through the fire. Now, let's try our best to unpack this. I've already spent way too much time. Somebody needs to let me know that Paul's already laid the foundation. I don't need to be laying more foundation, right? 
But I just want you to know what scripture, because so many folks take this passage completely out of context and they hold people hostage. You must do this in order to get that, right? Your salvation. And our salvation, I just want you to know, is not in question here. So whenever we're at the judgment seat of Christ on that day, there is going to be some intimate discoveries that are going to be there. The first thing I want you to see, and I put the three blanks in. You may have already figured that out and write those in your blanks. Methods, materials, and your ministry. Our methods are going to be discovered. In other words, according to God's grace given to me in verse 10, as a skilled master builder, uh, I have laid the foundation, other builds on it, but each one must be careful how he builds on that. So we see that our methods are going to be revealed. In other words, how is it that we're doing that work? Why is it that we're doing that work? What's the, what's the motive behind us doing that particular work? Is it to bring God glory? Is it, matter of fact, and I may be jumping around a little bit, but I want you to get this. Whenever we look at gold, silver, and precious stones, I want you to know that's a work that God is doing through us. And at the end of the day, he is getting the glory for it. Those works will remain. The wood, hay, and stubble is me doing the work. And at the end of the day, me getting the glory for it. That type of a work, maybe I'm motivated by... Um, a position or popularity or authority or maybe there's something I'm trying to manipulate within the church or within the community and I want to do it for self-gain or self-promotion or are you guys with me? And you're saying, does that take place in church? Nah. Never seen it in my 28 years of ministry. I just, yeah, somebody needs to call me out on that because I have seen it, Right? I've seen people bring in their works that on the outside looks amazing. And the whole church falls in love with it. And on the outside, they're saints. Oh, if I could just live up to that person. But on the inside, they're rotten as a core. And their motive is not pure. And it's self-motivated and self-indulging. And they're doing things for themselves. Right? Now, here's the hard thing about it. A lot of times, we won't even know that. But guess who will know that? When they're at the Bema seat, and by the way, you go back and you study biblical history and the cities, and there was a Bema seat where authority was placed and the judgment was taking place and everyone was brought there and they were given their penalties or their rewards at the Bema seat. That same Bema seat is it's called the judgment seat of Christ. There, those works will be revealed, Right? What motive? So I guess I just want to say, be sure your motives are pure in doing what you're doing. Okay? We've got to be careful there. So we're going to look at our methods, or I just unpacked that briefly. The materials there will be discovered. There's two possible categories, and that's what I was just talking about here. Two possible categories that you're going to be working in. You may want to jot this down. I don't have it in your reference. I don't even think I have it here. But two possible categories are, one, those works that are worthy materials, and those works that are worthless materials. The worthy materials, gold, silver, precious stone. The worthless material is wood, stay, wood, stay, wood hay, and stubble. Okay? Worthless. It's going to be consumed by fire, going to be pured by fire, and come out at the end. Well, you may be asking, what are the different works? And I, I wish I'd have put this in your notes. I mean, I just rattled off 12 in my notes that Scripture talks about how we treat other people. 
That's part of our works. Hebrews 6.10, Matthew 10. How we exercise authority over others. Hebrews 13, James 3. How we use our God-given abilities. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4. How we use and manage our money. That will be going through the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.6, 1 Corinthians 16, Malachi 3. How we spend our time and our resources. Psalm 90, Ephesians 5, Colossians 4, 1 Peter 1. How much we suffer for the Lord. You realize that we as Christians will suffer for the Lord? Sure we will. We're going to go through some hard times, suffering and persecution and, and the trying of our faith and all that's part of the Christian faith. That's mentioned in Hebrews 12, 1 Corinthians 9, Philipp, or Philemon, or Philippians 2 and Philippians 3. How effectively we control the old nature. Guys, you realize the old nature rises up from time to time? You guys probably never have to struggle with that at all. I do. Right? The old nature wants to rise up. Man... And I'm, oh, John, hold on. That's the old man. You ever want to just rip somebody's head off? Am I the only one that ever wants to do that? You guys want to do that from time to time? Yeah. You know what that is? That's the old man. You ever just want to go give somebody a piece of your mind? Careful. That's the old man. Are you with me? You ever want to go out and just tie one on? Drink the blues away and the world away? That's the old man. Come on, guys, don't look at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm. I'm trying to be real here. you got to die out to the old man. And how you manage the old man, you'll be rewarded for it. Or it may just be wood, hay, and stubble, right? Maybe no reward for that. You say, is that scripture? Sure it is. I'm not going to tell you anything that's not scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 25 through 27. Look it up. How many souls have been witnessed to and how many people have you brought to Christ as a result of you sharing your faith with them? You, not the church, you personally. That's a reward that you can get in heaven. Proverbs 11, Daniel 12, 1 Thessalonians 2. How we read and react to temptation is going to be something that's going to be brought through the fire. And a reward that we can get as a result of that. James 1, 2 and 3. How much we love, get this. The rapture. The rapture? Yeah, you're going to be judging whether you're really looking forward to it or not. Did you know that? Well, that's why I'm here. That's why God called me here to tell you. 2 Timothy 4, 8. Right? How faithful we are to the word of God. Now, this is the pastor's crown. But how faithful we are to the word of God and to the flock of God that he's put under our care. You realize as pastors, there's kind of another special reward just for pastors on how well you handled, how faithful you are to the word of God. And by the way, guys, we're living in a world today that, man, preaching the word of God is not easy today. Right? Nobody wants to hear what thus saith the Lord today. Because oftentimes it is not politically correct. Right? So there's going to be a reward for that as well on how we handle and how faithful we are to the word of God. And then our ministries are also going to be discovered on the quality and the motive of that. Second thing, real quick, I've got to, I've got to go fast here. Intense delights are going to take place when we're there. Not only is there going to be a time when our works are going to be judged and we're going to lose some things. But there's also going to be some delightful events taking place. Now, what I mean by that? Well, I mean, the trials that we've gone through, they're going to be made worthwhile. The temptations that we endured, they're going to be made worthwhile. The persecution that we took from, from others in the community because of our faith, or maybe from our own family, those are going to be made 
worthwhile here at the intense delight of the judgment that's taking place. So there is a potential. What are the potential? That some of your works are going to remain. Right? Thankfully, hopefully, and prayerfully, all of our works are not going to be consumed. Some of them will be. Some of mine will be. Right? But I believe that we're going to have some, hopefully, prayerfully, we're going to have some that remain through the fire. Now, not only is there a potential, but I want you to see the promise. What is the promise? Look at, look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians 3.14. If anyone's work that he has built survives. Now, what's that mean? It means it got through the fire. Right? If anyone's work survives... Here comes the promise. He or she will receive a what? Reward. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo. We always, always hear the negative stuff, right? Here's something positive. I mean, as we're at the judgment seat, and by the way, as all of this is being revealed, it's going to cause grief in our hearts and in our life, and, and we're going to possibly shed some tears And you know in Scripture when it says that God will wipe away all tears from your eyes? It's going to be at the end of this part of the judgment. It's going to be at the end of the judgment seat. When we see rewards that the motives are revealed or the works, the motives of those works are revealed and we lose some of those, it's going to bring, it's going to bring sadness. It's going to bring heartache. We're we're going to be grieved that that was our motive. And we're, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And we're going to be weeping. Well, the Lord's going to wipe away every tear from our eye at that moment. Then we're not going to remember that life anymore. It's going to be gone. And I've got chapter and verse for all that. Not sure I'll get to that today. But let's keep going, okay? So the promise of a a reward. Now, here, man, it's 2010. I'm just getting to the crowns. I may have to come back. I may have to come back. Let, Let me give them to you real quick. Let me fill in the blanks. And then I want to come back maybe. And I want to park at the crowns. Okay, I want to spend some time there. I'm not going to do it today. I want to make you aware of them. I want to give you the chapter reference and verse that you have in Scripture. You can study that up. Next Sunday will be Family Sunday. The following Sunday, I want to come back. I want to unpack these crowns. I want to be sure you understand that there are some things that you can work for. Not your salvation, right? You cannot work for your salvation. But there are some crowns that you can work for and that you can get. And I want you to know what those are. I don't want you to say, my preacher never told me about eight crowns. I could get, no, you're going to be there without excuse because I'm telling you. Right? Okay, I'm not going to be able to unpack them, but I want to give them to you real quickly. So I want you to jot them down real quick. Here we are. Here's five crowns that you can receive. Can you guys see these okay? Can you jot that down? Five crowns that you can receive. The first crown is an incorruptible crown. You know what that crown is? And I think I have the reference in your notes, do I? Yes, I do. In 1 Corinthians 9.25. That's the incorruptible crown. You know what that is? That's a reward for your faithfulness. You see those people that are in and out and up and down and hot and cold and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They're probably not going to get this award or this crown. This is a crown for those that are faithful. Through the good times, through the bad, through the hardships, through the mountaintops, through the valleys. I mean, I'm going to come back and unpack those in a couple of weeks, okay? The incorruptible crown. The second one is the crown of life, okay? Now, this crown, every believer is going to get. So you're going to get at least one crown. Hey, let me tell my dear wife. 
at this judgment, everybody doesn't get a trophy. Everybody doesn't get a crown. You will get one, and it will be the second one. It will be the crown of life. That's the crown. And by the way, there's no particular order for these. They're just five that are mentioned, okay? The crown of life is going to be the one you receive by trusting in Christ as your personal Savior. And you've overcome temptation by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. The third one is going to be the crown of rejoicing. And the crown of rejoicing, you know what crown this is? This is the evangelistic crown. This is the sharing the gospel crown. This is, typically I was brought up naming this the soul winner's crown. This is the crown you get for telling someone about Christ or inviting someone to church and helping and bring them and introduce them to Jesus Christ or sharing your faith or your testimony with someone or sharing the gospel with them and them coming to know Christ as their personal Savior. You're going to get a reward for that, right? Isn't that great? Now, check your motive. You got to be sure your motive's pure. Now, if you're working just to get crowns, that's wood, hay, stubble. Are you with me? You see how this works? But if you're working and you're saying, God, help me witness to so-and-so, and and I want to see them come to know you as their Savior, and blah, 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 and and God help me and work through me, and God's helping you and working through you you, and giving you words to say and bringing Scripture to your remembrance and helping you witness that individual and pray with that individual, they come to know Christ, whoa, praise the Lord, you're going to get a crown. Beautiful. I got to walk out today and win five people to Jesus. Let me see if I can do it. And I get five more notches on my belt. And I can tell everybody I'm a great soul winner. And let me tell you, I share the gospel. I may even write a book about that and make hundreds and millions of dollars. And just kind of share, teach people how to win, win people to Jesus. That's wood, hay, stubble. You see the difference? Does that take place in the church world? Are you with me? So be careful about your motives. Okay? Because they can go either way here. But that's the crown of rejoicing then there's the crown of righteousness and this will be given to those who anticipate and live in the light of the return of jesus christ and i'm going to talk more about that and then there's the crown of glory and this that particular crown i believe scripture teaches that that's for the faithful minister that's ministering and handling the word of god and feeding the flock of god so there's some crowns that can be won there what are we going to do with those crowns do i have that in your notes What are we going to do with these crowns when we get them? What are we going to do with them? You're going to have to come back in two weeks, and I'm going to share with you exactly what you're going to do with those crowns. That's the hanger, okay? All right, let me go here, number three, so you can get your notes here. There's going to be some immense disappointments also at the great, or I keep saying the great white throne, at the judgment seat of Christ. The pain is going to be mentioned. Jesus is going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. The price is going to be mentioned, and that's losing our rewards that are there. But the promises here is that we will be saved. And we see that in verse number 15. If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. But he will be saved. Okay? So there's going to be some disappointments. But at the end, the promise is we may lose our works, but we will be saved. Okay? All right. So I hope I'm not completely boring you to death with this. Uh, I hope you found this encouraging. Uh, I will. I'm going to have to come back and finish this sermon. I don't. I can't. I'll be, I promise you, I'll probably be another 40 minutes if I just continue right now. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I value your time too much, and, and I want to turn you loose, and uh, I'll come back and, and continue this. So uh, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Let's close out with the song today. Here's the deal. Let me get to this last slide here. And this is what I want you to wrap up with in a couple of weeks. 
What kind of material are you building with? Is it wood, hay, and stubble, or wood, hay, and straw? Or is it gold and silver and precious stones? That is determined by the motive of our work and what it is that we're doing and why we are doing it. Okay? So the foundation is Jesus. Who's at this judgment? Seat of Christ. Believers only. Those that have trusted in Christ. What is in judgment? Is your salvation in judgment? No. Your works are in judgment, okay, on whether you'll get a reward or not, okay? All right, so my prayer is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that today will be the day of salvation, that you trust in Jesus as your Savior. It's a childlike faith, just believing that he is the sinless Son of God, that we, all of us, are sinners, and we repent of our sins, trust in Jesus Christ, ask him into our heart, then you too can be saved. It's real simple. Then it's living out our faith after that, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for our time together today. For each one that's here, I ask your blessings on each one. If there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior, my prayer is today that they would invite you into their heart, that they too would be a believer and a child of God by their faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, as we work towards our rewards and our goals and help our motives to be pure. We pray you work through us. At the end of the day, God, we want you to receive all the honor and all the glory for everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.